are listening to the chomp cast the official podcast of sword chomp and remember you can always go to swordchomp.com we can access the many places our podcast is available for download but if you're listening to the show right now that means you found us so welcome to the madness that is the chomp cast also don't forget if you want to support the crew we are on patreon finally www.patreon.com slash swordchomp it's a tongue twister look for the vip instagram tier as well which gives you secret access to a vip instagram page we have a amazing show today a show that looks so real you can almost believe it is but much like fish you can lift up our skin to see the soulless interior beneath pulsing with wires and gears and other doohickeys that's right because we are talking about artificial intelligence today as it applies to video games uh, inspired by detroit become human um, which is the game of the moment right now which i also began playing so i'm excited to discuss the beginning of that uh this week maybe we'll talk more about uh, detroit in the, the coming weeks as well um, we have some really cool polls to run down thanks to the lively pulse of our followers at sword chomp on instagram uh, polls including detroit uh, become human uh, being the best David Cage game since Heavy Rain, Spe- uh, Steven Spielberg's AI, the Sea of Thieves DLC or expansion of sorts event, whatever you want to call it, the Hungering Deep, which features the Megalodon that everyone's taken down. Uh, so we have some cool stories there. And of course, Donut Holes, which is out of nowhere. Um, uh, but it's a lot of cool polls to run down. Uh, the bio break this week uh, carries on the theme of our Megalodon attack from Sea of Thieves as well as we talk about Shark ancestry um but i don't want to ruin too much of that right now it's a pretty cool little thing and i have a special quiz for josh as well at the very end of the show so stay tuned uh all that and more on this week's chomcast and also for those who uh anybody out there who had trouble downloading last week's uh podcast we apologize hopefully that will eventually correct itself it's just one of those weird itunes issues that we've been uh noticing um so thanks for your patience but let's get to some intros we have an exciting show today. Oh, Fish is waving me on the webcam because you know that's where I'm going first. Um, it's me. Well, it's me. <laughs> me, 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 me. Um, up first from Texas, my good friend, the Filipino Johnny Depp, as we call him. Anthony Fisher is here. Now, Fish, I, this is actually, I don't mean to start off the podcast with some, you know, concerning news, but um, I think we might have a copyright infringement case on our hands here, Fish. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 more accurate than than you think. It turns out, I, I don't know, remember Fish um back in like our college apartment days, we made that video. Uh it was the one where we attempted to just stuff various objects inside your anal cavity. Um mailboxes, garden I, shears. Yeah. Vaguely. So, the mailbox uh, would have worked if you put the flag down. You know what? <laughs> We learned the hard way. We yeah. did. <laughs> I should say fish learned the hard way. But um, it was in the behind. Uh, Sobe bottles. You name it. Um, everything we could get in there. Um, I, fa- that? In I found. I found. I found a copy of that tape. Apparently, at the time, we actually had named it the Hungering Deep. So uh, I think. <laughs> I think we might have a claim to that. I don't know. What do you think? Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if. I mean, we're uh, going for the same thing, pretty much, you know? They they did name an island after our awards. 
So. Oh, did they? Yeah, I th- I think I think this is not unprecedented at this point. It's it's <laughs> clear clear someone there is a fan. I think so. I think there's something going on over there at Rare. There's something fishy going on. All right, no pun intended, or full pun intended. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I don't know. Something we need to think about. You know, I don't know if we're gonna pursue it because I know we're big fans of the game and we respect Rare a lot. But I think you know. The facts show that we were there first, so um, well, I don't know. Maybe they're big fans of that, you know, that video that they so happen to come across, you know? And yeah, we were... they're just paying tribute to it. We were circling it into some dark channels of the internet back, that was back before YouTube was a really big thing, you know? We had to find our own ways of getting that thing out there, so um, it was viral before viral was really mm-hmm. a thing, so... Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll talk about it later. We'll see how it goes. Something to consider. Um, also brought back a lot of good memories, uh, especially those garden shears. That was, that was, that was quite a challenge. Um, glad you're here, though, Fish, as usual. Uh, Joshua Fowler is here, of course, from Michigan. And um, Josh, you know, I was thinking today because we're talking about a bunch of different topics, like AI, for example. And some more, um, you are sort of like the, the GLaDOS of the uh, Chomcast crew in many ways. I remember that used to be one of our running jokes. You're sort of like the... GLaDOS is like one of your heroes, right? Yeah. I mean... I don't know if she'd let me say that, but yes. Yeah, she probably would. She doesn't like... Yeah, she wouldn't like anyone referring to her as a hero. Um, what would you say? Do you have a favorite GLaDOS quote? I was looking through some today, and I had no idea that she... Do you remember any of them? Any of them distinctly stick out in your mind? I know it's been a while. Hmm... <sighs> Summon, summon it, Josh. You can summon do it. it. I believe in. I don't know if I'd call it a full quote. Okay, but, but you monster always sticks out in my mind. You monster, like, yes. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things. You monster. Did you she monster. say something like, "Um, this is your fault. I'm gonna kill you, and all the cake is gone"? Is that something that she said? Uh, I don't think that's a direct quote, but along those lines, yeah. Okay, I was looking at portal quotes before the show that's why i'm asking you mm-hmm. I, I but they didn't have it um lots of good ones like well done here are the test results you are a horrible person that's a good that's a good mm-hmm. one. here's the results of your test <laughs> you're a horrible person mm-hmm. i actually have a a brilliant idea for an instagram uh uh clip josh where i want to get a picture of like I was so it's like like a yearbook image, right? It looks like you in like a yearbook from like high school or something. Mm-hmm. And you know how in high school yearbooks they always put like a, a quote underneath. It's always like, you know, a fit musician yeah. or a song lyric. I'm just gonna put a Glados quote under your picture, mm-hmm. and it's gonna look like a high school yearbook thing. And I think it's gonna be great. Um, I like it. I just gotta find the right quote. Yeah, find the right quote. I can't remember if they did quotes in our high school. I'm trying to think about oh. that. Oh, you had like high school, dude. There was there was I a lot to, of bad. I, I have to go back and look at those yearbooks now. It's been since high school since I've looked at them. Obviously, it's kind of that was like a senior thing. Every senior should have gotten to. What was your quote, Fish? Did you do? Oh, did you didn't you dropped out of high school? Didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't finish high school. <laughs> Oops, I didn't mean to bring that up on the podcast. Whoopsie. <laughs> Cats out of the bag. Yeah, um, just, just edit that one out, please, Josh. <laughs> Fish, um, I had the test results, and you're a horrible person. So, congratulations mm-hmm. for failing mm-hmm. high school. <laughs> no, I, I, 
I would suggest dropping out of high school. Like, mm. if you have an option, take your GED yeah. at 16 and start college. Like yeah. If you're not a complete fucking moron, just take the test and be done with it. They That's just they did. waste your time for the last two years. You do fuck all. Yeah. Well, that's True. when you're supposed to really get into the dating world. That's what set me and Fish back. We thought it was for school and being antisocial, but actually, in, in reality, the school is irrelevant. You're just supposed to get your feet wet talking to, you know, getting out there in the dating world and stuff. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. I, I think so. I mean, get, get your foot in the door. Yeah. yeah. You know, I think that would have worked out much better for you had someone, you know, just taken you aside and said... Maybe the tents you're wearing, pretending they're jeans, and the Lincoln Park, and the hacky sacks are not helping. Maybe, maybe if someone had, you know, it wasn't helping. It had wasn't. the courage to have that conversation I mean, with you. There's usually only one, like Wait. super hot rocker girl, and uh, seven other dudes with jinkos and hacky sacks. So mm-hmm. I, <laughs> the odds were. Well, go ahead, fish. You're about to say something. I can see you get defense. <laughs> Well, it's instead of I never played with hacky sacks, but yeah, it was mostly you know Tamagotchis and Digimon. yeah, yeah. We were Digimon, which is I probably worse. I mean, if there's a scale, it's gonna <laughs> get you school? less laid. No, it was middle school. Yeah, it was middle school. Yeah, that's what I was but thinking. Even then, okay. Even then, kids were getting you know curious with like you know sexuality, and we're just over there. I I have a feeling that starting with Digimon in middle school probably led us to making videos shoving objects in fish's ass much later on. So I think that was the beginning of the spiral. That's a natural progression. Yeah. Yeah. Had you not been so fascinated by overfeeding that Tamagotchi until it explodes (laughs) years before, you never would have been led down that path. Fish, your asshole kind of looks like a hungry Tamagotchi. (laughs) uh, What can we feed it? They should have put, like, a warning on those early Tamagotchis. You know, be careful. You may end up shoving a garden shear up your friend's asshole when you're 20 years old. So, mm-hmm. who knows? Um, but on that note, uh, I'm Morgan from Montana, by the way. And uh, Shay's not here with us. Um, he had some stuff to do this week that... Uh, he's on a crazy schedule in Japan, so he had to take care of some health stuff on his one day off from teaching and stuff. I had this whole fake voice I was going to do, like, for Shay, like, Shay Layton's here. Hi, guys! It's Shay. I've just been... You know, but I was like, ah, fuck it. I don't have... I don't have the energy to do... to do a whole other character today. But one day I will. When I, when I feel inspired to do it. Um, I do have a really good uh, quiz for you later, Josh. I don't want to spoil it yet. Mm. And if you hate it, we can easily cut it off the back end of the show. But st- stay tuned if you're listening to the very end of the podcast. It's going to be fun. Um, but we have a cool show today. I mean, AIs is sort of what we're sort of, uh, is sort of the topic of the show. And the idea that sort of spawned this was a couple things. I was, uh, just by pure coincidence, I had sort of been given up on Westworld cause it went off the deep end. Um, and then me and my fiance were watching Amazon prime and they had, uh, the old Steven Spielberg film AI on there with, um, hmm. The, I believe that kid's name is Haley Joe Osmond. He's the kid who was in The Sixth Sense and stuff like that um, back in his prime. And we were kind of watching it, and I was surprised. She actually really liked it. And, and then the Detroit game came out, and I was like, AI was just kind of in the air, or the idea of artificial intelligence. And it got me thinking about two things. Basically, like, how video games portray a lot of characters, AI characters, everything from, like, a GLaDOS, Josh, to 
maybe it's like uh, some sort of robotic character like in uh, 2B from Nier and how they deal with those themes of, it's nothing new. Video games are always playing with that idea. Am I a robot or am I a person? Like what is consciousness and all that stuff. Um, and artificial intelligence in the form of like how things react in video games, like how enemies respond. Like, um, for example, one of the first things that I thought of was like, Halo. When I was a kid, like the artificial intelligence for the enemies in Halo was like a cut above the rest at the time, where you felt like they were almost like adapting to you. You know what I mean? Like they were getting smarter, and you're like, wow, this is like the first game I can remember playing where these enemies feel smart, uh, and almost like there's a human being controlling them. Obviously, and I'm sure it wouldn't feel that way if I went back and played the first Halo now. But at the time, that's how it felt. So that's that's my first place I wanted to start off with this topic. Like, what is what are some like? artificial intelligence in the form of game design that sticks out to you guys like either in really intelligent enemies or npc characters or anything like that for me hey the original halo was one that stuck out and all the halo games could sort of fall into that but i remember the elites in in mm-hmm. particular were just super fucking smart um, yeah you could you could only really use one grenade a level before they just have none of that mm-hmm. yeah none of that shit Mm-hmm. Um, I actually found this video online of these people who there's a 10 minute YouTube video of them exploiting the basically trying to show how good the AI was in Halo Reach and it's just mm-hmm. like a 10 minute long video of them just doing all sorts of crazy things with the uh, characters and the enemies um, Bungie was always ahead of the end you know Destiny's no slouch either you know the, the AI in Destiny's actually mostly mostly good depending on the difficulty I mean it's kind of they're building that game to be more of like a bullet spongy kind of experience because it's an online game. Yeah, but... it's more stat based and whatnot. But, yes, but yeah, 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 yeah. But the idea is there. But yeah, pure, pure Halo. Um, I don't know. What, what about you guys? Um, you know, Josh, is there anything that sticks out to you when you're thinking about this? I mean, uh... oh, um, I mean, there's a lot. But probably one of the ones that I remember the most. And games have been trying to kind of reach this level of. Simulation a lot since then, but mm-hmm. Metal Gear Solid 3 had systems that interacted with each other in such ridiculous levels that it was three. Okay, it was, it was most people didn't even notice them, is how, how much the AI worked in that game. Um, stuff, stuff like uh, the depots around, um, around the world, if you destroyed them. Enemies wouldn't have enough food, so they'd be more likely to fall asleep because they were all tired and malnourished, um, and they'd be more likely to eat any food you set out as a trap for them or something. So, like, if you poison food, if they were hungry, they'd be much more likely to eat it. Um, so, sort of, like, affecting the systems in the game to create, like, a chain reaction. Yeah, like, basically anything you did would affect enemies in ways that made sense, but ways you're not expecting because at that point, it's just, you know, enemies followed you. That was about it. Whenever yeah, those, yeah. whenever that was new, um, I mean, yeah, they had they had crazy stuff in there, like the way, um, yeah, like even 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 your own character had some level of AI going on there with uh, you know, the food that he ate and the, that he liked and whatnot. Um, like how they're so well that's a good example josh because like i was thinking about like a depth like how in some ways the actual game can be an ai because it's sort of like adapting Mm -hmm. to if you're adapting to the player sort of like learning how they're playing and adapting your experience to that in a way the entire system 
it's kind of like an AI. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? In, yeah. In a way. Yeah, yeah, but like MGS3 was interesting because it, like, it changed the enemy AI depending on what you'd done around them, uh, in such cool ways, such. Just so really the enemies, cool like, ways. the way they would attack you and stuff. Yeah, I see what you're saying. So you could change their environment, and then it would affect how they approached taking Yeah, how, how everything okay. else dealing with them went. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was really, really cool. Uh, yeah, Kojima's always been pretty good at that stuff. I don't know if this counts, but I remember the first boss in Metal Gear Solid 2, Olga on the ship, I remember trying to play her on extreme, and I just uh-huh. remember being like, holy fuck. She, it, it, maybe I was young and she was just really hard, but I remember thinking that she was just like insanely just like smart. <laughs> like the way she was like, she knew, predi- mm-hmm. like, and, and it was probably yeah. more pro- program. I don't know. Maybe that was just me being young, but I remember some of those bosses on extreme just being like, holy God. Yeah, a few of them, when you crank the difficulty all the way up, I mean, obviously in a game, they can know exactly where you are, whether or not they have line of sight or not. Um, exactly, So they yeah. can they can mi- allow them to be so smart, there's no way you could possibly beat them, but... Too smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they they started approaching it there on some of the harder difficulties on MGS2. Started, started approaching it. I remember not Olga so much, although that was, that was still good on... Expert? Extreme? Extreme, yeah. Was it extreme? I thought, hmm. Definitely Yeah, extreme. yeah, yeah. It's extreme because for some reason I was thinking it was named after the code names for the difficulties. But no, it was just, it just unlocked different ranks of code names you could get at the end is mm, what it was. That's what I was thinking of. Um, but anyway, um, the, the Mad Bomber in 2 was a fight oh, the, that... The Rollerblader, yeah. Yeah, was that was a... It was a good fight already, but it got better on harder difficulties. Because, like, he was oh, just... Oh, you talking about Fat Man? Yeah, Fat Man. Yeah. Fat Man would just... Like, on the lower difficulties, you could just kind of trap him. And, you know, blow him up with mines and stuff. And really easy fight. Still fun, but easy fight. But mm-hmm. he was so smart on the others that he'd... He'd notice stuff way sooner. And you wouldn't be able to use yeah. such cheap tactics on him on higher levels. So. Yeah, and I think he actually skated faster on those higher difficulties as well. So, like, your chances of actually getting a shot off on him was... That that window was narrowed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he lost a little weight on higher difficulties. He was just skating. <laughs> yeah. He was skating a little faster. Yeah. Dropped yeah. a couple pounds. Yeah, he was Laugh on Jenny Craig on, on Extreme <laughs> there. Um, that, yeah, that's a pretty good one. Uh, what about you, Fish? Is there any, uh, AI um, artificial? I have two. Um, okay, okay. More recent one was, um, Horizon Zero Dawn. All the animals in that game. I thought the AI was pretty smart. And, um, just like all the animals that they were sort of ba- loosely based off of, you know, animatronically, like moving through the world. <clears throat> I mean, it, I, I guess if it's like, more like their animations that are mm. more realistic but like as you fight them as well like um they react to you in ways that um are interesting yeah I guess. yeah yeah the herd ai in that too was really cool just mm-hmm. the way yeah like yeah. not just individuals but like groups of enemies were really cool in that game it was yeah well and the idea like 
the meta, like, this has nothing to do with the, well, I wouldn't say it's nothing to do with the gameplay, but the, like, inner philosophical idea behind them was that they were machines programmed with AI to act like real animals. That, mm-hmm. That's, like, the idea in the world, too. There's, like, a, a deeper level to it there, um, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. To, make, to, to create a robot that you want to basically act like a real animal in many ways to repopulate this world. Yeah. The other nice and, thing with robots, just in general in games, mm-hmm. is that it kind of it allows them to feel more real because you know it's an AI, you know that it's going to be more simple programming, so mm-hmm. just narratively, it makes more sense that you'd be able to trick them into doing what you want them to do by yes. knowing more or less what the AI would do. So it it feels good to fight robots in a game, because like you can you can yeah. outsmart a creature, but you have a might have a higher chance of outsmarting a robot that's trying to act like a creature. Yeah, right. Like it, it's not that real. that just that it clicks in your mind like that. It feels good. It just it, it feels also makes good. you feel less you feel mm-hmm. less guilty about murdering hundreds of robots. That too. As to- <laughs> 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 Although they play with it, we'll talk about that later. Games are playing with that idea of still. A level of empathy there for robotic creatures, um, which I think is interesting. But empathy is something we'll talk about in a bit. What was the other one, Fish? Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, I want to say real quickly. Uh, also, how the animals reacted to other animals in that game. Uh, you could. Yeah. There's that guy who did those YouTube videos of like he would trick the the different species in Horizon to fight each other, and he would just record it. Like he would just record like the rock breaker fighting the ah fuck I forgot all their names. Um, it's been so long. But he would <laughs> he would yeah. just re- record them interacting in the world, in it, which is interesting. How their AI was um, built in the ecosystem. So the ecosystem would react with other things. Mm Kind of cool. Um, The other one is uh, Bioshock. Um, When I first played that, like Mm. fighting those enemies, Mm. I guess it was more of like a creepy factor to them, but like a lot of times those enemies won't just stay, jump out of a corner and just shoot at you until, you know, they're out of bullets and then just reload out in the open. Like, a lot of times they'll kind of take pop shots at you and then run off behind a uh, a pillar or something out of your sight. Um, yeah. And I, I, looking back on it, like that, yeah, that game's came out in like 2007, but back then, like that, that felt really. The AI just felt smart in there, along with like their security bots and stuff like that. Well, they're they want to essentially kill you, but. I mean, you could hack them and uh, use them um, to kill other enemies and stuff like that. But yeah, the splicers, like, they wouldn't just, like, run up to you and just take a shot from you until they're dead. They would run back and forth. Along with, like, the big daddies, of course, I thought. Um, While they're deadly and everything, like, you have to kind of outsmart them uh, in ways of, like, luring them towards uh, uh, traps that you set up or. Um, explosive tanks or oil on the ground to set them on fire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess it's more it's more of like a environmental type of thing in that game. But like, I guess the AI just like it enhances the experience. I guess with not being so dumb as games yeah. like uh, I guess like Borderlands, where a lot of times you'll. Like you can bandits and stuff like that. You can funnel them through a choke fairly easy in Borderlands an awful lot yeah. of the time. Um, yeah, yeah. Funneling through the choke, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh yeah. 
Oh, on that same Bioshock note, I think one of the things you, know, you kind of mentioned it—they're mentioning the big daddies, but not not just the big daddies, but the other enemies. There was more than one AI, you know, uh, type in there, um, and the enemies. Yeah, there's different splicer. Types, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, not just splicers, but like individual enemies would have more than one type depending on whether or not they're outnumbered or different things that happen in the story would mm-hmm. change how they fought you. Um, which was really cool. Cause like, you'd see the same enemy and it would react differently depending on the situation. Um, not just like the, the world around it, but like just the story going on, which was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, there there, yeah. there was this one level where like I think there was a spider splicers, the ones that like can turn to stone and like crawl on the walls and like every time you look at them they can, you know, stand still and you wouldn't think much to actually kill them mm-hmm. until you realize that yeah you're gonna be shooting every statue you come across because more than likely they're a splicer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that that actually got me thinking about like some of the like bad like you guys know I love Far Cry Five a lot. It's one of my favorite games of the year. But the AI in that game is like comically either bad or too smart at times. Like it's either like ridiculously dumb reacting, well, and, or they can sense you from a million miles away when you don't even make any noise. Like you'll shoot some guy with an arrow thirty feet from his friend and he's like, oh, what's that? You know, like and yeah. I'm like, ah, God Yeah, it. I think the thing with that <laughs> game was more that enemies were pretty accurate, which whatever, that's okay. But then the levels were also super open. So like, yeah. Somebody would see you from forever away and you'd just be dead. Uh yeah. Yeah, that was and that's one of those funny things about that. Like it's not the end of the world for me, but like I, I feel like I really enjoy games that have fun with a good AI. Like well, I used to come home and play Halo and Legendary by myself yeah. and just like just marvel at how the enemies move around. I just kind of watching them, like what they're mm-hmm. hiding behind, what they're using, how they're reacting to their other enemies. Like if you want if a game is trying hard to create like a good combat space or an open world space, you have to create an AI that's gonna react to both you and everything in that world in interesting ways. And that gives it uh, replayability. Like, yeah. how did you guys feel about the um, AI in, like, Breath of the Wild? Like, as far as, like, how the enemies and uh, the mob, Mobobblins and all that stuff were reacting. Did it feel kind of gamey, or did it feel super realistic to you? Or It's, it's in between. Like, like, it's everything reacts in a very standard way. Like, it's still gamey once you yeah, really, yeah. really understand the systems. But there are so many systems that you'll see new interactions for a mm-hmm. long, long time. Just new stuff mm-hmm. will happen that you didn't know could be something yes. that even affected them. But, but once you know them all, they're, they, they become pretty easy to manipulate. Yeah. Um, which, it's, it's fine, because that, that whole game is really systems-based. Um, which is, yeah, yeah, good that way. And they also had a similar thing, kind of like you were, we were mentioning in Halo, with how they react to bombs and stuff. Um, like you can yes. you can throw a bomb at enemies once or twice, but then after that, they will kick it back at you. Um, yeah, like you'll start adapting. Yeah. yeah, they'll start adapting to the way you're fighting. Um, not as much with like your weapons and stuff, but especially with bombs. Like they're just yeah. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I really liked the AI in that game. It was it was pretty good. It was some of them were better than others. Um, some of them are just way too combat focused, and you just you never really got to play with them in any meaningful way other than just killing them. Um, Yes, I agree with that. For for example, example the the Lynels, um, are ridiculously scary because they have such an an enormous aggro radius. Which is cool because it means anytime you see one, like they can see you. So you have to be really alert about that. But there's basically no interaction with them other than kill them. Or, well, other than that, you can also, if you you decide to buy a Lionel mask, if you are wearing a Lionel mask and also riding a horse, you'll be able to sneak by them but you still can't get super close because they're smart enough to tell that it's not a real Lionel if you get remotely close to them but that'll still let you get by them anyway <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny but, Well, I mean, and we can talk about some of our favorite characters as well and I'm sure and by the way if somebody, somebody thinks about some a, uh, interesting anime AI that really affected them you can always email us at swordchomp at gmail.com I have some Instagram comments I'm going to read as well by the way every Thursday on the Swordchomp Instagram, we'll have a question of the week, topic of the week, and we will try to grab some comments on there to read. Um, but if, as far as characters go, maybe some of your favorite characters. Now, this is kind of broad because a lot of AI is basically like robotic characters sometimes or like super evil supercomputers and stuff like that from Gladys to Cortana. Cortana is mm-hmm. a good idea. You know, like an AI character. It, you know, it, it sounds like a generic answer, but Cortana was always one of my favorites because, not mm-hmm. just because they made her look banging in Halo 4, I'll tell you what. I, <laughs> I, I, I actually had people messaging me about that. They're like, man, that Halo 4 Cortana. I'm like, yeah, they, they really tried to make her anatomically correct, didn't they? Um, they, knew, they knew how to get those sad, sad nerds like myself hooked in there. Um, but like, as a character- I've got a chance, guys! <laughs> She's a robot. Um, I'm gonna give her a virus and trick her. Oh, that's 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 a fish move right there. You know? <laughs> that's that's a fish uh, move. A roofie virus. Oh, oh that's a fu- that is a dangerous joke right there. We'll we'll see if that one survives. It might it might not. Um, depends on the morals. <laughs> or I mean, like, clearly, if, if you stand joke. for AI. You know, yeah. robots out there, then it there are, will offend you. I'm sorry. AI rights. Yeah, some people are a big believer in AI rights. Um, that's a borderline joke, Fish, and I do appreciate it for that. Um, no, but, like, it was cool because she was a character who was in your ear at all the time, in your head. So, like, you grew a relationship with her because she was always not just giving you combat advice, but she was always kind of there. There was a visual representation of her. And, like, it, it, one of the few sort of internal characters that you kind of really grew with throughout an entire series and by Halo 3 and 4. I think most people in general just really felt a bond with uh, Cortana that was was really cool. Um, what about you guys? Was some what are your Josh? Was there any like what are some of your favorite? Uh, I guess I threw Glados out there at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously Glados is great. I also liked Wheatley a lot from Portal Two. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's also really good. Like, I mean, they're they essentially are just different takes on the same idea. But yes, they're yeah. they're such completely unique takes on it that they both they both work wonderfully, just wonderfully. Yeah. Um, yeah, it looks like some of the some of Wheatley's <laughs> comedy is just great. Like the beginning, the intro to Portal Two, where 
he's essentially giving you the tutorial, like, you know, mm-hmm. push buttons to jump, look up and down and whatnot, where he just, yeah. just shits all over you because, you know, just calling you dumb and stuff, kind of like Gladys did, but yeah, in, in a more. really, really funny way. Um, those, those are both good. Those are both, both great characters. Um, yeah. I, I, I had a couple others, but they're spoilers and of games that I love so much that I don't want to ruin for anyone. Um, you mean like you find out the person is an AI later or like, how would it be a spoiler? Yeah. Like different characters. like, I won't mention which characters, but for example, in digital, a love story, uh, okay. which is a an older game by Christine Love, who makes really, oh. really good narrative games. Um, yeah. Um, one of the characters in AI, and I won't say which one, but that character is done really well. Um, I mean, obviously, it's it's a very narrative focused game. There's not really anything system wise systems wise going on there, but just the narrative of it makes it one of the better better AI characters in there. I mean, kind of kind of on the lines of Cortana, obviously. You know, it's just, just the story going on there. I should have pulled someone about her. Her was the movie where that guy mm-hmm. falls in love, King, King Phoenix falls in love with the operating system. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not the same idea, but... Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but moving outside okay. of games, though, which I think okay. needs to be done, the toaster okay. from Red Dwarf is possibly the best AI ever. What's Red Dwarf? Red Dwarf is a sci-fi comedy from the UK that okay. has run forever at this point. Red Dwarf. Huh. It's, I've never heard of it. It's it's amazing. And it's it's nowhere near popular enough. But the toaster is okay. amazing because for some reason the toaster they have, some engineer decided it needed AI. Okay, okay. And yeah. He's it's essentially yeah he's a, it's a they have a sentient toaster who is really offended anytime they don't uh, want toast because that's his one purpose. To, <laughs> does sentient applied? I don't want to make myself sound like an mm-hmm. idiot because I don't really I know vaguely what the term sentient means, but can you use sentient to apply to a a, a robot or something like that? I At it was this like, point, because they were like million, the, the thing was set way way in the future. We're talking like you know data type ai you know the the borg that yeah. that same type of way oh, okay. way out there um like it ai had word, been that essentially far it just means but, uh, able to perceive or feel things according to the definition mm-hmm. so perceives in response to sensations sight touch taste and smell so i guess technically yeah feeling or sense sorry i just had to throw that i was just curious yep. what the actual term sentient meant <laughs> but <laughs> yeah red dwarf okay go go red watch dwarf. that that's okay that's that's good stuff. The toaster from Red Dwarf. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, not the volleyball from Castaway. Sorry, it's only no, sentient. And mm-hmm. only in Tom Hanks' mind has it become sentient. It doesn't mm-hmm. count. <laughs> uh, what about you, Fish? Um, I guess I have to go with uh, a sci-fi here. Um, I think it was the Geth. Or was mm. it the Quarians that have AI? It was whatever um, the, the Geth. The I, Geth think it, I think it's the, who you're thinking of. Yeah, probably. Yeah, we well, don't have a lot of conviction in this choice. <laughs> uh, I think it was the Geth. 
was it the uh you just hate all robots that's that's you couldn't you, uh, there wasn't a, that's like a vague race that's not a person that's it not is, a character yeah. character well, i was thinking of tali and i was like isn't she robot mm, or no Tal well no pretty sure she was robot right mm, no they're they're not a robotic race they're just um <laughs> what they're is essentially, Tally? Question no, of the no, week. They're, they're essentially as if... I'm trying to think... They, they've melded with, like, robotics, haven't they? In a way. Core. they well, not, not as much as you're thinking, though. Like, they look robotic, but that's because they're all essentially in spacesuits at all times. Uh, mm -hmm. The whole idea with that was essentially, what if Battlestar Galactica, but it just kept going and going? And so... Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, essentially, it's this group of refugees who have been living on ships. So it's a very, very small population without yeah. any new genetic information for so, so long that they will all die to basically any disease, like at all. So they're permanently in spacesuits unless they are, you know, in their own yeah. ships um, is what's going on with them. I guess I just I'm more in love with the robot. <laughs> well, I mean, I wanted more conviction, but I guess that yeah, yeah so Tally doesn't work. Yeah, Josh Tally doesn't no. work. Uh, no. She is <clears throat> she is best girl from okay. from Mass Fish, Effect. You're missing but, the biggest you're missing yeah. the most obvious I was looking up a bunch of AI characters for this like shit. You're missing the most obvious character that you love. Right in front of your nose, man. Mm, oh no. I'll give you a clue. I can't think of it. I'll give you a clue. Starts with a M, ends with an Ega Man. Oh, Mega Man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Technically, he's a fucking uh, a robot, you know? He is, yeah. yeah. In, yeah. A, in a purest sense. Um, a robot designed to destroy all bad robots. I felt bad because, yeah, yeah. I felt bad because I was, I was like, I never even really thought of Mega Man as a robot, which I don't know if that says something about me or just never really thinking about Mega Man. I was like, I guess he is a robot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's right. kind of his whole shtick is being a robot. I think part of the reason you don't think of him that way is because his name is Mega Man. Oh, those liars. Yeah. yeah. He's not a man. Yeah. He's masquerading as a man. Mm -hmm. well, he's an android. That's what he is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait. What would... Robocop be then he's a cyborg hey. yeah cyborg oh. oh damn it that was an easy that was an easy breath remember we had that big debate <laughs> way back in the day about like androids and cyborgs that was like one of the more interesting debates we had cyborg is like half human half um mm -hmm. robot yeah android, and, and android is, just a is like uh a robot that bilbo baggins human. an alien <laughs> yeah now he's just trying to fuck with you man. what <laughs> God damn it. Speaking of which, that guy, the guy who plays the android in the Aliens movies is in Detroit. He is um, a pretty... God, I should, I should know his name because of people... Michael Fassbender? No, no. <laughs> Michael no. Fassbender! <laughs> <laughs> that, would, this... that would make those movies very different. That would... Uh... <laughs> that would be cool, Fish. Hmm. No, um, it's the guy who played uh, the android in the old Alien movies. An alien. Oh, the, yeah. Uh, I love the fucking androids in that one. Um, the older ones. 
Yeah, I'm going to grab his name real quick. Anyways, he Same actually chat. plays a human character in this game, which is kind of weird. I'll talk about that later. A pretty cool character. Um, but this yeah, that... Opportunity. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, let's let's get the... Well, I don't know. The character he plays is pretty cool. Unless there's a big plot twist at the end and he turns out to be an alien. Um, mm. So, so, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, spoilers, don't think it's going to happen. But anyways, uh, so Fish, yeah, Mega Man, you, you whiffed it. It's okay, Fish. I tried to help you there, but Thanks. it's all right. Fish hates Thanks. robots. See, Thanks that's why lot, I, asshole. He's trying to he's trying to send put viruses in robots anyway. He doesn't respect the robot, you know. You put fish in Westworld and he's just killing them and fucking them left and right. They, they mean nothing to him. <laughs> um, exactly. It's all for my pleasure. Fish is like so in the game Detroit. They're like there's like a group of people who are anti robots because they're taking their jobs and stuff or androids. Fish would be one of those people. He, you took my job. You fucking my wife. <laughs> Better than me. <laughs> You replaced my micro penis. <laughs> You'd be on the other side of those people. Um, mm. The assholes. Yeah. Who hate the <laughs> More than likely, I become I, some sort of undercover agent, going I mean, out, destroying all this corporation's uh, property. I mean, what do you, you do for a business? You drive forklifts and you mm. deliver. I was fine. I was fine with you taking my job, and becoming my wife's sex toy, but. But playing multiplayer shooters online with me? No, no, that's too far. No, you, no I... <laughs> that's where I draw the that's, line. Yeah. <clears throat> oh man, that's good stuff. Um, so yeah. Anyways, uh, that's a cool character I'll talk about in a bit. But uh, the point is, um, that here's the here's my big hang up with this, and I want to read some comments here. The issue I've always had with AI stories and the movie AI from Steven Spielberg kind of got around that for me a little bit because they used a real character and the idea was very simple. All the robots in their world look to some degree like a robot. It's very clear it's not a real thing, but they finally developed a robot that is indistinguishable from a human being. Like the, the time that the girl's touching his face, she's basically just like touching his hair and his face and she's like, even she's shocked. She's like, oh my God, this... There's nothing that separates this from being a human being visually to the touch, everything like that, right? So that they're selling that idea to me on a deeper level that I thought was interesting by focusing on that very simple primal element, where a lot of games just want you to believe that you have to take a weird leap of faith that I have trouble doing. Like, like they're like, we want you to empathize for these robots that look like humans. Now... I know that you know the robots, but just empathize with the fact that they, they look like people and you're supposed to feel something. But like, as long as I know it's not a real person, it's hard for me to make that jump. And I don't know if that makes me an asshole like fish or what, but it's hard for me to, to really care about the robots in that way, depending on how they're portrayed. And I, I think it's just that, that, that jump that games ask for me. And maybe I'm a little soulless yeah, in that You regard. can't ask a gamer to jump. They are just fat motherfuckers. That... Don't do that. Don't ask a gamer to jump. That's auto jump. Auto yeah. jump only. That's mm -hmm. like Zelda, Ocarina of Time. <laughs> auto jumping for the rest of my life. Um, but having said that, you know, obviously I love 2B, but I don't love her because necessarily she's an android. I just think that she's a really cool character, a badass character. Like I love Nier for almost all the reasons that are not super into the philosophical side of things. Am I a robot? Are we human? That stuff rarely works for me. Um, and I think that's why. But does it work for you guys? I mean, do you guys like that? I don't want to say that trope, but that idea of like feeling for a robot or a robot becoming human and trying to uh, fight for sentience or whatever. Like, how do you guys personally 
deal with that theme? Well, Does it work for you? Or... I mean, in Nier it worked for a couple reasons. Uh, first of all, they were trying to figure out if they were really human and all that, but that was a fucking stupid question. The humans were complete fucking chwats who destroyed the world, and not only destroyed the world, created AI that would continue fighting to keep destroying the world after they were all dead. Like, who cares mm. if you're like a human? You're obviously better than them at that point. So yeah, you're 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 improved. Humans yeah. are flawed. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that's that's not much of a standard there to be. Like maybe 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 find a new question, um, which I think was one of the one of the best things about that that whole game was just the way they handled that. Um, it's, it takes a long time to get there, but it's done really really well. Uh, yeah, that's true. Um, okay. Yeah. It's, what about you, Fish? That theme of, do you ever you empathize with the general theme, like, in games? It's like, the idea of robots trying to come to terms with sentience. What makes you different from me just because you have flesh and blood and organs? If, if I'm programmed to feel and think and learn, um, how should I be not considered a living thing? Like, how do you deal with that theme? Um, I think it's a little... Yeah, it seems like something that's always gone to and like any any game that's dealing with robotic AI or um artificial intelligence in in some sort of computer system that you are uh dealing with uh as a player like uh, I feel like that's something that's in a lot of like sci-fi type of games um and like even in movies like um iRobot where i guess the robot essentially in that movie is has like i guess is a ghost i forgot the whole premise of it but um they don't tell me he's a robot is kind of what's going on oh yeah at yeah. the beginning oh. and he has to yeah he figures it out yeah, yeah. Mm. is yeah. that the big plot reveal oh my god i'm a robot is that mm -hmm. what it is yeah okay yeah, all that that stuff just doesn't really click with me that much as far as that goes. Um I'm trying to think of a movie that I really liked that had pretty good AI or dealt with that um subject. Uh what was it called? It was about this guy who goes down he, he goes to this one guy's like uh remote like laboratory where he's doing these Turing tests on these robots that he's create developing and um, see he's using this guy to um, oh Ex Machina oh that's a good one yeah, yeah 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 if you haven't seen Ex Machina whoever's listening that is a really good movie yeah I really enjoyed that one actually because uh, as a as a viewer like you you're thinking like man this this AI is actually acting very much like a human. Um, but it's also like kind of playing tricks upon him and, um, the main characters, like he doesn't know who to exactly to trust. Is it the AI that he has to trust or, uh, the mad, you know, developer of the, this AI, uh, mm -hmm. cause he does a lot of shady shit and you're like trying to figure out who exactly he needs to trust, uh, in that story. Yeah. Um, instead cool of one. just like revealing, you know. She's a robot or something. And like that one sort yeah. of plays into the romantic idea too. Um mm -hmm. and the madness that comes with it. Was yep. the plant that road. Yeah, that's a good one, Fish. Ex Machina is a good one. I almost um 
Almost forgot about that one. Uh, some really cool comments that I found that we found that kind of fit into our conversation pretty well that I wanted to run through with you guys. See if you guys had anything you wanted to spin off of these. Um, okay, so Cloud's artwork said, Most intelligent enemy has got to be the alien from Alien Isolation. Fucker caught on to my closet hiding. Now, that was when I saw mm. a lot of people mention, like, the alien from Alien Isolation was pretty cool because the, that entire game was based around the premise of, like, there's an alien hiding in the ship and it's trying to find you and you have to sort of outsmart it or outhide it or whatever. And uh, they do a really good job of that. They really did. See, the problem I had with that game, though, is like once it found me once or twice, I was like, I get it. This is the whole game, basically. And I kind of lost interest. But for the first like hour or two, it was really cool. It was a really cool moment, you know. Like, where is he going to, is he going to catch me? Like, I actually wanted it to catch me. I was like, that's part of the fun, right? If, if you're smarter and it never catches you, you don't get to experience the cool thing. You know, it's kind of like, um, in games that need like, uh, into the breach. If you never die, like the whole point of that game is kind of to die. So mm -hmm. it's like, if you weren't dying, you weren't experiencing the name of the fucking game in a weird way. So, <laughs> that's good. We're speaking of which professor Layton left a comment into the breach. That is all. Uh, and the reason why he said that, uh, <laughs> Shay leaving us a, a message in spirit it was because in um, Into the Breach Fish, when you, you go in with a character, if they die, you can continue to play with their robot um, if your other robots survive, but their character is dead. So any stats and everything they got, you lose, but you can still use their, their vehicle yeah. or their mech. Yeah, all the mechs have, are equipped with an AI pilot that uh, yeah. does not get any better. It doesn't gain experience through combat or anything like a real pilot would. But will allow you allow the mech to function, so you can still get it commands and stuff. And you can uh, still upgrade them and stuff. You can yeah, still you can still upgrade the mech, them. but like the mech, the the pilot won't get any better, so you won't get any perks or anything yes. like that. Um, and it's sort of like got this weird metaphor of like keep th you're throwing bodies into the frenzy just to keep continuing on. Like every mm -hmm. time you die, yeah. you just go back well, in time. Yeah, well, that although, and there are there are AI pilots as well. Um, Mm, that's true, yeah. Uh, yeah, a, a full set of the pilots are AI pilots that will grow and uh, have a sophisticated yeah, yeah. enough AI to grow and get better as you play with them. But their whole deal is that they use a power node to even be able to uh, access, ability, right? access any of those perks. Yeah, um, yeah. Because since they're an AI, them. you have to put extra resources into giving them enough power to be able to think on that high of a level. Which is really cool. It's I think a, it's mine a really cool was trade-off because they're yeah. Mine, I think it was no. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Josh. Go ahead. Well, the the AI pilots are some of the strongest pilots by yeah, far. Yeah. They're just they have ridiculously strong perks, like being able to take extra turns or move twice uh, or fly, like be able to use the mechs in like they're they're extremely powerful. But like like I was saying, they're balanced because they require extra resources to even be able to work. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's good. That game. Everything about that game is good. It's yeah, yeah. It's good. Damn good game. Damn good game. Into the bridge. You haven't played it. Look for it on PC. Um, let's see some of these other good comments. Uh, Gilbezy Skit said Odin and Tacoma springs to mind. Um, I never finished Tacoma, but I assume Odin is the AI that the rogue AI that. Well, okay. This is a minor, minor spoiler if you haven't played Tacoma. It says, The game takes a trope of a rogue AI and turns it on its head, revealing that Odin was actually working incredibly hard to get around his programming and save the lives of the crew on the Tacoma. Um, you sort of spend the game expecting to have to take it down, but in the end it turns out to be a rescue mission 
to take mm-hmm. him off the space station and reunite him with the crew that he saved. So that's yeah. a cool twist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that game in general was really good. Like I mentioned it briefly last year whenever it came out. Um, like it wasn't my favorite game of the year, but it did some... It's... It is 100% a game you should play just to see the way it handles narrative. It is done in such a really cool way. Um, because like you mentioned there, it's the AI of this space station, this uninhabited space station you go to, has essentially re- recorded everything going on inside the space station. And you're able to go through and instead of having you know, the usual audio logs like you do with stories, since it has recorded everything, you're able to see crew positions, what they were talking about, who they were talking about, and whatnot, and basically just replay, you know, like five minutes on the ship at a time and go through and just follow which characters you want to just to see how the narrative is playing out on the entire ship going through it, Um, which is, it's kind of similar to the way Majora's Mask works. Where you've got, you know, it's the, the same three days that play out and there are stories that are going on in there. Mm-hmm. But, but in that game, that's not, it's not so much the focus. Like, there's a lot of that that's side mission and whatnot, but you're still, you're still basically just kind of going into dungeons and regular Zelda fare. But that's, that's, right. that's the whole focus in this game. It's just taking that idea to the extreme, seeing exactly what sort of, you know, narratives you're able to tell with that sort of a framework being able to replay the same several minutes over and over to to see everybody's side of a narrative just you know Mm. follow who you want it's it's really cool it's really really something worth experiencing oh wasn't that the game that you said that you didn't like the ending on it or the ending wasn't that Uh, that The ending was okay. It wasn't my favorite just because, uh, I mean, like you said, it was kind of a twist. Like you, like the AI part of it was a twist. You expect after mm. after you keep seeing these things going on, you expect that it's the AI doing all these things. That's that would generally be what happened in most games, and that's that's not what happens. And I, I don't want to ruin it for you, but once you figure out what is happening from that point on it becomes very predictable and it doesn't end soon enough after that to kind of avoid some of the, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Let's just kind of continue. Like you, once you get past the twist that he just mentioned, uh, there's some, some predictable stuff past that point. Um, But it's still, still a really good game and still, I just, the way they handle the narrative is worth seeing. Um, cause just, you know, just talking about it, just reading about it is really not the same thing as just being able to experience it. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a really cool thing to be able to follow a narrative arc the way you want to, because you get to pick what's interesting to you. Like you'll start a story and kind of see, you know, things going on all over the place and be able to pick what interests you the most and follow that thread as long as you want. Mm. Uh, and that's, it, oh, it feels so good. It's, it's really well done. 
So like following different characters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, that sounds fun. I, I, but yeah, the the idea behind Tacoma I actually thought sounded really cool. Like that, the way he's describing that sounded amazing. It was just sort of the presentation of it, um, kind of threw me off. But I, I love the idea of that game. Um, Dead Wass uh, commented said HK forty seven from Knights of the Old Republic. What a piece of work it was. Aside from being a very handy in a fight. He had a barbed sense of humor and a habit of referring to humans as meatbags. Um, both of these qualities went some way toward diluting KOTOR's squeaky clean morality. A good second one would be System Shock Shodan. She's the mm. world's most evil advanced AI. She's utterly evil and she could eat both Skynet and Andrew Ryan for breakfast. Um, wow. I like that. That's the good comment. I like that comment. Um, I should, I should do something where I just feature cool comments on our, on our Instagram story sometime. Uh, but anyways, yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's a, that's a really good one. I don't remember Knights of the Old Republic that well. I just remember it was one of my favorite games ever, but I played it when I was like 16. So I wish I could have more input on that, Dead Wasp, but I think that, that comment pretty much sums it up pretty well. I wish that everyone could experience that game in its prime. It was just a cool thing. Oh, this is a good one. Omega Carotin said, Psycho Mantis from the original Metal Gear Solid. Uh, read your memory card data and messes with your TVs. So like he had sort of programmed it. I mean, that's kind of a loose AI thing, but I can, I, I'll count that an answer. Cause it's sort of like, you know, he was reading, it was, it was like a internal computer system and he was reading your internal computer system at the, <laughs> this is like some, some double edged shit going on mm-hmm. there. Um, yeah. That whole fight was just fourth wall breaking type stuff, which was pretty cool at the time. It was his, his AI for that fight was really cool. Um, the memory card reading thing was not really so much of a thing for me just because I hadn't played Castlevania whenever I played through that game whenever it first came oh, out. Yeah, and that yeah. was... There were, there were very few games that I could really get from your memory card. So, like, the only... It didn't grab only, any from mine either. Yeah. yeah, the only thing that ever really changed was based off of how many times you'd saved before that point because, like, he... Yeah. He'd have different you dialogue. Two hundred times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's Still interesting a good fight. one. Yeah. Oh shit! Throwing my shit everywhere. That's interesting. Uh, interesting one for sure. I, I, I like that answer. Um. Also, Deadwas also mentioned the most intelligent enemies he encountered were the soldiers in Fear. I was looking up AI, and I saw a lot of people mention Fear, and that was a game I never mm-hmm. played. But from what I was reading, like the the AI in that game was just incredible. Did you ever play Fear, Josh? No, no, I've looked at it several times and still just not gotten around to playing it. Just yeah, one of those yeah. things. I've got so many games to go through that it it never quite makes a cut. I it's it's gonna have to at some point, but we we got to. I don't because I'm always worried that's just not gonna hold up because it's older. Um, but it was it had sort of the generic horror thing, like the crazy like scary little girl in it. But I found this really cool quote I was gonna read from Fear that I thought fit the show pretty well. Um, here's a statement from the designers on the AI in Fear. In fear, the AI uses cover more tactically, coordinating with squad members to lay suppression fire while others advance. AI only leave cover when threatened and blind fire if they have no better positions. On top of that, enemy AI always at pre- applies pressure. At times, you don't even have the time to heal. The harder difficulties you should play, the better the AI behaves. Um, it's I was hearing things about how they cover uh, fire at you, like without looking depending on like i have i was just reading and watching videos on the the ai and fear maybe maybe it doesn't stand the test of time today but that sounds like that game was groundbreaking at the time which is pretty cool mm-hmm. 
I wonder what they went on that company. I wonder what they went on to make. I should look that up in a second. What what the people went from who made Fear went on to create? Like what company that was? You know what I mean? Um, where have they been applying that that uh, technology? C three PO said Glados is the best. We talked about Glados a lot, but that's a classic, obviously. Um, along with Wheatley, Atreus from God of War was a pretty decent for AI for a companion. How'd you? Um, that's what uh, Kazram M three said. How'd you guys feel about Atreus's AI? As far as like more gamey than, um, I don't even know if I'd call it AI. It was that was one of the things that felt super weird about that game was that you were controlling Kratos and Atreus. Like you didn't control where he moved, but you controlled what and when he fired at. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. It, it was a really strange thing. Like it, it. It's like in, almost like you were controlling with your mind. <laughs> like it was, it was, yeah, it was like bizarre. Tough. Like, like occasionally they'd throw in a bark from Kratos, like fire or something like that. But it never really felt like that's what you were doing, because he fires as soon as you hit the button, and it was just kind of it kind of left me with a really strange feeling of what am I controlling in this game. Like, like, what am, hmm. what am I supposed to be? Like, I, I, you don't even feel like Kratos the entire time because you're controlling him and Atreus for so much of the combat there that it's just, it's kind of, it's strange. It really is. Very strange. Uh, we had two people mention EDI for Mass Effect, which I guess was the onboard of the Normandy. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, definition and Esperar's jet. Um, EDI uh, was one that they were pretty passionate about on the Normandy. Um, Janice Beeson also said, Gladys will always be my favorite. The cake is the lie. And all Epidemic Mike said Wheatley from Portal 2, which is one you mentioned, Josh. Mm-hmm. Oh, and Guilty Spark. Of course, Guilty Spark from Halo was uh, a good one. He was just a little metal ball, but he had some quirk and some charm to him at the time. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, thanks for everyone for, for tuning in uh, if, you, if we read your comment. And it's, you know, it's interesting because in a lot of ways, like we talked about earlier in summation here, the way that these games are programmed in the system is, in a lot of ways, an AI. If the gameplay is adapting to your play style, in some ways, that is like an AI that's learning. And video games are a very interesting output for that. Um, and, of course, the, art, the artificial intelligence of enemies is a huge thing that factors, factors into making action games interesting and fun and dynamic and memorable. So there's a million other ways you could take this, um, but I, th- I think that's a good, a, a good uh, place to kind of split it off there. Um, I, I was going to say that just sort of running through the polls here, like I said, that was inspired by um, AI among Detroit and other things that we're going to talk about here. I did, I, I got a random uh, message this week from someone I wanted to give a quick shout out to because they were like, yeah, AI was pretty great. Um, but the last 30 minutes, like what the fuck was going on there? Um, that, <laughs> that was my friend, uh, Lesta.Isley and she's right. And actually she, I was looking into it and we can just bring up the poll now while we're into the poll section. Uh, apparently AI was an idea from Stanley Kubrick, who is a famous director who passed away famous for things like eyes wide shut and stuff like that. I think he did clockwork orange too. Anyways, famous he had given for eyes wide shut. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, well that, of course that's the one I would remember. <laughs> 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 I think he actually, I think he passed away halfway when Eyes Wide Shut wasn't finished, mm-hmm. if I remember right. I don't think it was finished when he was alive. 
But it was pretty cool. Um, this is a really neat factoid about the movie. I just felt like saying because it kind of plays into the idea of our show. He felt like a computer generated imagery or CGI was not advanced enough to create the David character whom he believed no child actor could convincingly portray. Aha, uh-huh, you are very wrong. He did not believe, tra- <laughs> he did not know Haley Joel Osment had the skills that he did. Um, in 1995, to, to act Cannon- like not quite a human. Yes, yes. What what human being could really act not quite human? Well, have you seen the dead, creepy eyes of Haley Joel Osment? <laughs> he's, he's, he's right there for you. Um, in 1995, Hubert, um, Kubrick handed AI to Spielberg, but the film did not gain momentum until Kubrick's death. Uh, Spielberg remained close to Watson's film treatment for the screenplay. So basically, when he died, it seemed like um, Spielberg got the push to finally make it. Maybe as an homage to him, maybe as sort of a, well, I've been sitting on this for a while and, and now he's gone. I need to maybe pay tribute here. There's something going on there that's kind of interesting. Anyway, it's it's a pretty cool it's a pretty cool movie. I think it's worth checking out if you have Amazon Prime because it's free. It might not be for everyone. It's pretty slow. The first, it's like two halves of a movie. Or maybe I say three halves of a movie. The first half is the family adjusting to the fact that their kid is in a coma. So they try out this new robotic kid and they, they form a connection with him as their child. And then the real kid wakes up from his coma. And then that's when the movie starts to go crazy. Jude Law is in there. There's some other crazy shit in there I won't ruin if you haven't seen it. It's, it's interesting. Have either of you guys seen AI? Any feelings on it? Love it? Hate it? Anything? Neutral? I haven't seen it. Uh, it's been years. I couldn't tell you much of anything about the plot. Other than Jude Law's, you know, a cyber gigolo. That's about the <laughs> only memorable gigolo. thing about that movie. Yes. And he, he skips and yeah. dances, and it makes me laugh. Yeah. He does this little, like, do do He, You know, once you go uh, cyber gigolo, Josh, you don't go back. That's what he tells all of his, uh, his ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll pull up the poll results for that one. And the question, uh, by the way, every Tuesday in the at Swordshop Instagram story, you can find polls, vote for them, we talk about it on the show. AI was underrated film, classic Spielberg. 53% said yes. Not a huge victory. I'd almost consider that a tie. And anything in the 50s, I'm not going to get super excited about, but it's kind of uh, an acquired taste. So thanks for voting. Uh, Detroit is the best Quantic Dream game since Heavy Rain, but that's not saying much. This came back much higher than I thought. 80-20. That, that's pretty high. People seem to have been, of the people that voted, um, either seem to be really enjoying it or just, yes, it's definitely the best thing since Heavy Rain. Which, the only thing since Heavy Rain... No, I that think wasn't... what they're saying there is 80% of people don't think Quantic Dream makes good games. Because that's what that that's question implied. Question. <laughs> well, that's they, part of the... They don't make good games. <laughs> There's only been one game since Heavy Rain, though, right? And that was uh, Beyond, right? Beyond is the only thing since... Um, I'd have to look at it because they could very easily make something that I would not remember at all, but sure. Let's go with that. Yeah. I think it was just beyond these old, which looked ridiculous. So I never touched that thing. Um, and yeah, so yeah, whether people are enjoying it or saying that is, they don't make good games. Yes, Josh, that could, that's kind of part of what was loaded in the question there. (laughs) Um, yeah, but yeah, 80% of people are saying, yes, the best thing since heavy rain. And that kind of gave me the kick to try it out, which I think is a good segue for me to tell you guys that I put about two hours into Detroit. Uh, by the way, Lance Harrickson is the, the name of the guy who played the android in Aliens. Um, Lance Henriksen. Sorry, Lance Henriksen. That's the in Aliens? Bishop. 
Bishop. Oh, was it Alien? Alien. No, no that's, that's it's Alien. No, no, it says Aliens. He was first, Alien. in, he was first in Alien. Alien. Alien is Ian Holm. Alien is Ian Holm. Aliens is what I'm talking about. Why were, no one was talking about Aliens until you brought it up. Uh, I was. I was talking about That's aliens. Not um, that that I didn't. I don't remember the android in Alien. Really? So yeah, I don't. I'm being honest. With you. How do you remember. N- remember the a- android in Aliens? Oh dear God! Well, this. Well, first of all, I think this is the one that people remember because he does the weird game with the knife in his fingers. Remember that? No, no and one remembers gets... that. <laughs> people remember disemboweled Ian Holm. On the dining room table is what they remember as far as androids from that series. Lance Henriksen gets disemboweled too. Oh yeah, good for him. Yeah, that's not what people remember. How do you... They remember Ian Holm bleeding out on the dining room table. I don't know. I kind of like aliens. Ha! Ha ha! Androids. Because he gets ripped in half by the queen alien. Yeah. And he's like, you know, he's... <laughs> yes, that's an awesome picture. His guts are everywhere. I <laughs> love that white blood. Yeah, that's kind of nasty. I'll look up Ian Holm, though. I don't even remember him. I, I think Alien is a better movie. I just don't remember. I don't remember the... It's been a long time since I've seen Alien. I figured, you know, I, th- I think the one from Alien... Lance Henriksen, I feel like, is a very recognizable thing. Apparently he... Josh disagrees with I, know, I couldn't tell. I wouldn't have picked him out of a crowd, and I've seen aliens. I don't know how many times. So, well, you can pick him out of the crowd in Detroit. That's for sure. <laughs> they're pulling out all the high-level voice actors for Detroit here because they're pulling out Lance <laughs> Henriksen from Aliens all the way back in the '80s. No, d- he plays a character in this game who's like a, a human, but he's like a sick guy who's a really brilliant painter, and his um, AI like helper companion like injects his medicine and helps him take care of the house and stuff but he's like a very upscale like a nice rich um sort of like brilliant artist character and they contrast his storyline with there's like an abusive father character he's like a really gross abusive father character who has a daughter and they have this like ai like a a, like a pretty ai woman in their house named kara and she let's put it this way when you first meet the abusive creepy dad or whatever he's going back into the shop and she's just been reactivated and he's talking about and they're like how did she get so damaged we had to wipe everything and start fresh here and he's like yeah i hit her with my car or whatever and anyway it's it's very much implied that he fucked this um a- android up badly somehow and he's just blaming it on whatever because he seems like a total shitbag right they do a good job of portraying this guy's shitbag this is one of the characters that they were getting a lot of controversy before the game came out because people are like David Cage doesn't know how to handle child abuse. Remember that whole thing that people were talking about? Um, mm-hmm. So there's, there's th- basically three stories yeah. that are just like... Which, yeah, I don't know why that shocks anyone. David Cage does not understand human beings. So any, any reduction of that statement to something more specific seems unnecessary. <laughs> well, to be fair to him, he's, there are other people in the studio, so maybe somebody within his studio does understand mm. human beings. Um, but I will say this, it's just, it feels exactly like Heavy Rain. So much shocking, so. And, and obviously it's not anywhere near as impactful, like what made Heavy Rain impactful for me at the time was how good it looked and what it was trying to do and how somber and kind of artful it was back in 2010 was like, I felt like a really special thing. 
This feels almost like nostalgic for Heavy Rain, which is kind of weird. It plays exactly the same way. You move around the same way. Um, it does the three. Remember in the Heavy Rain, stick. there was the... They stuck with the left stick. Hmm. It's That's the right, a bold the choice. Left, well, no, it's the left stick makes you move around, but the right stick does all the weird, like, go right, go down, diagonal. Remember all that weird stuff you would do? Where you had to, like, swipe the right joystick in a weird way to, like, open a door or something like that? Um, oh, it's got all that kind of stuff in there. Holding L1 to inject someone with drugs. Like, everything's, like, weird sort of... The coolest thing... This is a really cool thing in the game. I, I, it's not a spoiler or anything. There's a scene where you get to play a piano. And I kid you not, like, you go to swipe the... Um, you go to swipe the... What is that thing called in the play signature? The little swipe pad. You never use it for any game, basically, but it's there. And Destiny, use it to, like, open up the map. And you know what I mean? It's like the big square button in the middle of the controller. Um, anyways, it's the touchpad. I guess that's what it's called, just the touchpad. You swipe that to play the piano at this one part, and it's really cool because you can literally play it with the emotion of a piano. Like, you go like, ding, 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 ding. It's just like you're putting, it's just really weird. Um, but it's a cool scene where you're sitting down to just play piano for a while, and he's, like, listening to you. Um, so there are cool things here and there, but in general, it's, you know, open a doorknob by moving a joystick to the right and down and stuff like that. It's not the most engrossing thing in the world. Um, but what I was going to say was ex it's exactly like Heavy Rain. Remember Heavy Rain had the girl character, the um, detective character, and then Ethan, and they would just go uh, back and forth between all yeah. three of those. I still think that's funny. Like, let's try to put you more in the, in the shoes. Let's try to make it super realistic. You'll have you do these motions like you're really opening the door. And really, no one ever thinks about opening a door. You just open the door. So just hitting X to open a door makes much more sense than a motion to do it, really. Because if you're thinking that hard about yeah. how to open a door, maybe opening doors it's... is hard for you. Maybe, maybe this is the secret to David Cage's mind. Like, he still hasn't quite mastered the door. <laughs> like, it's, it's just, maybe... that's just too hard of a concept to really grasp. He's he's like uh, eight levels deep on door, trying yeah trying to discover its its hidden mysteries. Eight levels deep on door. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I I was thinking about that when I was playing it so far. I'm enjoying the game, but it's definitely one of those things where I'm like, this was a lot cooler in 2010, and even then, it wasn't really the best thing in the world. Like the gameplay is just there's not a lot there, even. The big thing that they're touting this game for, which is all the choices and interactions you can make, you can literally, yes, you have a lot of choices in the world and things you can say, right? But in general, you're just going to walk around and look at everything. And when you look at everything, you unlock different options. So mm -hmm. I don't feel like I've, yes, there's a lot of variety to the choices I'm making, but I don't feel like the exploration has really been rewarding me because I mm -hmm. just walk around and click everything. I just click everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not. It still ends up playing like any other game. Like, like everything. What's what's just, yeah. what's the solution to this area? Like, the solution is to try to find every wrong answer before you can move on. That's that's, Basically, that's it. Yeah, that's, yeah. Let's, let's like, see how I can screw around here the longest, so I don't the, miss anything. The, the only cool thing about it has nothing to do with the gameplay and more to do with what any game would give you. Like for example, there's one point where I'm in the creepy guy's house and I'm cleaning it because I'm one of those like cleaner helper androids, right? And I pick up his little bottle of antidepressants that are on his table, and she opens up his drawer to put them in there, and there's a gun in there. And she just calmly closes the, the drawer that has antidepressants and a, probably a loaded gun. And she doesn't say anything, because she's just an android, right? 
But you as the player are experiencing that. And you're like, oh, this guy's obviously got some issues. There's side effects of this drug. He's got a loaded gun in his house. He seems kind of crazy. I walked in front of the TV and he snapped at me. Like, they're just letting you pick up on little things, which I think are cool. But it's not necessarily like doing anything new or exciting uh, by any means. Um, and I don't think this game is doing anything new or exciting, but that doesn't mean it's not doing a fine job so far. What I'm worried about is, so right now it's weaving three storylines. There's a detective and he's like got his own little detective mystery things. There's the girl Android that lives with the abusive guy. And then there's the Android that lives with the sort of rich painter guy. And there's a really cool scene where he lets you paint something and it's sort of playing with the idea of an Android getting in touch with his emotions and painting something. It's a, it, and there's choice to that scene. It's actually really cool. But I'm worried, though, because I feel like halfway through the game, it's going to turn into this whole Android revolt thing that I've seen in the previews. And at that point, I think I'm going to probably... That doesn't sound as interesting to me as what they're doing right now, which is just these small stories. Detective, small family, and then the, like, the painter guy. So that's where I'm personally at. Um... It's more interesting than it thinks. I'm excited to play more of it tonight. I'm telling you, it's more, it's not doing anything interesting, but when I first started playing it, I was like, eh, I don't know about this. I'm just not really feeling it. But then after about an hour, once I got through like the demo that I already played and then the very first section and I got introduced to all the characters, like, okay, this is kind of cool. Like looking around the world has its perks. You know what I mean? Like just kind of exploring the world and looking around. It's a very futuristic version of a city. If you like sci-fi. I think you'll enjoy it. So, so far, I, I am really enjoying it, but it's just not, like, breaking any new ground or anything like that, um, mm-hmm. at least yet, so. But, I, I mean, for a Redbox rental fish, I am definitely recommend it so far. Um, also, hmm. it seems short. Like I said, it's, the, the opening scene in the, in the game is the demo, and that's the hostage scene. The very first scene in the game is you're going to save a little girl who's been taken hostage. So the game, right off the bat, uh, grabs you as something interesting i probably would have been more into it if i hadn't already played the demo but it's and they so here's one thing they do josh too that's kind of weird is the only difference from heavy rain is basically now they show you the tree so when you finish a level they show you the entire branching tree that has all the paths that you could have taken mm-hmm. and i guess that's to encourage you to say hey i could play this again and take a different path i don't have one iota of desire to ever do that but i think that's what they're going for like, look at all the paths you could take, you know? So. Hmm. It's all right. It's, it's, it's more effective right now than I expected it to be as far as just an interesting story. But uh, we'll see what you guys think whenever we get into it. I'm only two hours in, so, you know, I'm just, I'm just kind of getting in there. But, yeah, the, the three stories so far have been working for me. And, uh, yeah, I, I, want, I want you guys to play. I'm curious to see what you guys think. Um, as well, especially because it's kind of dead right now before E3, so. Um, Detroit Become Human, we will touch base on that a little bit more next week. Uh, Sea of Thieves! This is pretty cool because I was waiting for the perfect time to interject with this story. We finally got to play the fucking Megalodon expansion! Oh my god, this is ridiculous. I'm I'm trying to contain my excitement about this because I was joking with you guys um, when we first started playing it. I was like, Guys, this would be my dream if they have like a Jaws expansion or whatever. And he was like, shut up about Jaws. This is a fish who's telling me, he's like, yeah, shut up about Jaws, Morgan. Man, <laughs> yeah, fucking always talking about Jaws. Fucking annoying. Um, yeah, it's fucking annoying. And literally, it's like they burrowed into my brain and took it to the next level. And they're like, yeah, our first uh, 
expansion or whatever you want to call it for Sea of Thieves. It's a giant Megalodon fight. You're welcome. So, yeah, we, we all got a chance. I played it twice this week. We all played it together. Um, Fish, how are you feeling about the, uh, the hungering deep so far? Your first Megalodon attack. What, how are you feeling? Uh, pretty good. I feel pretty good. Feeling pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> no, um, yeah, this is their first, like, I guess, big content update yeah. um, from Rare. What are they like, calling uh, it? They're the... not calling it DLC. No, it it's just content, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> and they, they, they've promised three different um, big updates like this um, down the line. And this is the first one of them. Um, and they did say that this one was going to be a little bit smaller, um, than the other two, just because it's going to be, you know, turned around pretty quickly, turned out pretty quickly, um, compared to the other two that are coming down the line where the developer can add more stuff to it and flesh it out more. But, um, I was impressed. I was actually impressed that, um, they added a quest in the game. I guess <laughs> it's essentially just a quest, you know, to fight the big old shark. But um, how you do it in the game is actually very interesting, I guess, because you're you're kind of solving sort of riddles by uh, reading a drunk pirate's yeah. uh, scribblings in his journals yeah, that you play, he's left all over. You play, dude. Where's my these? card? The pirate game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Where's Where's my card? Dude, like, yeah, it's. Essentially that, because you're following around so, yeah. all these hints you're getting about where this drunk guy happened to be. <laughs> yeah, pretty yeah. much. To read his journal hey, and stuff. So That's a good idea. That's a good enough premise for me, honestly. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. Yeah, shark, I, I, shark took my legs. Mm-hmm. Find a shark. Yeah, that, with a shark that big, I'm surprised it didn't take more. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. Guy with a shark tattoo. Crazy bastard. Um, <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's weird having a really memorable character in the game. The game that we all love doesn't really have characters in it other than merchants, you know, other than the people you just sell. Yeah. Which that was actually part of the, part of the, the issue I had with the expansion was that the first part of this quest was to find a particular barmaid that Mm -hmm. the guy had a crush on, um, by her name and the name of her bar. And granted there's her hair color and her hair color. And there's only six taverns in the game. I'm sure I know I've been to all of them at some point. I didn't know that. I didn't have a fucking clue. Because why would, why would you remember <laughs> that particular fact, the name of the barmaid at these? Like, it's, that was just not yeah, a they, thing we even thought well, about paying attention to until it, you know, came out. There's well, no reason to, really. Yeah. Because yeah. they're, they're the... just static NPCs that either give you... yeah. Well, some, well, that some items they, or whatnot. Yeah, and they seem so interchangeable. They all do the same thing, like yeah, exactly. I, I was talking to Fish about this. It's very strange that vendors have different stuff in the shops. It's strange, like they expect you to go around to different islands to go to the different stores, and like they don't feel different enough. Like it never feels like you should go to another shop to check it out. Yeah, that like, stuff's weird. Like it, it's they don't seem different enough to make it feel like it's worth traveling around to know I, where to buy certain items. It's I, I yeah. was I was also fifty fifty on the 
the lead up to the Megalodon. Like some of it was really cool. Like there was a couple areas you went to in the game that I remember finding on our own back in the day, like the the sunken ship you find with the picture of the captain in it and all that stuff. I remember finding that back in the day, the killer whale and being like, this looks like a little different. Like they put more time into this. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Like the destiny thing, like, oh, I bet this content was almost ready to go. And they just had to take some more time to flesh it out because that stuff's been in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it yeah, seemed all, like all the- those uncharted islands you went to are really cool. And they, like you said, they've been there for a while. If you just decided to, to go there, even though they give you no reason to nothing mm-hmm. spawns there, there is literally nope. no reason to go there other than you want to look around. Um, yeah. And they have you sort of like solving little riddles, but, but yeah, some of it's it really cool. obscure. Like the last riddle in the game is really obscure. Like that, like how to find the coordinates and all that stuff is kind of a joke, except for the fact that because so many people are playing it and banding together, like we were able to figure it out because someone like, for example, when you go to fight the Megalodon, we all thought we all had the drums and we were going to be good to go. This, one of the ships pulls up behind us and they were like, Hey, we've been playing the song since, since the guy or whatever. And we're like, Oh, you have to play the song from him. And he's like, yeah, so you're good to go. So they saved our ass. Mm-hmm. And like, there was this, I tweeted about this, but like they have turned this game from Sea of Assholes, which I loved, into, like, this weird community of, like, kinship, and, like, everyone's nice to each other, and it's weird. Yeah, like, I've not been attacked in a week. Since this expansion came out, nobody's attacking me, (laughs) because they know they're likely to want your help at some point. Mm -hmm. And it's, yeah, it's drastically different. Um, Sea of Friendly Sailors. mm -hmm. I wish there was a little more incentive, like, uh, from a gold perspective to kill the shark over and over because i would love to kill him over and over it's a really fun fight until it gets old but you don't really i mean once you do it you get a really cool item for your ship which is worth getting and you get the experience but you don't really get much else from it in the way of like gold or anything like that so um the replayability is purely for the experience which is a little bit of a bummer because it'd be cool if you know every time you killed the megalodon they give you ten thousand gold or something like why not why not have a little reward there you know what i mean Mm. I don't know. It seems a little too easily farmable. Like, I, I don't think they'd want people farming it over and over again. Uh, yeah. yeah. That would get... I think you could farm... Maybe. Me. I mean, like, I don't know what the respawn on that is, though. Like, once you kill, like, how long does it take to return to get a new batch of ships together of people ready to do it again? I assume like, it's I... more or less instantly once you have five okay. more people playing that song again. <sighs> only could get two of them spawning at once two megalodons that's what i I want to glitch the game to where there's two megalodons spawning at once that would be the the greatest moment we'll see and and we all have good stories too like it was fun playing with you guys because it was very different like when we encountered the megalodon it was three big galleons and it was more of like a spread out fight Mm -hmm. Uh, and we actually killed it um because we all we had three fucking galleons and it had a different feel to it it was still really cool but and Josh actually got unfortunately failed to record it because we have an issue. But he actually got the killing blow, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, it was uh, that actually ended up being its own problem because I was being kind of cocky with it, and he was barreling down on our ship and about to destroy me because it was coming directly at my cannon, and I just fired right mm-hmm. into its mouth and killed it at the last second, oh. and then. That's it, it was epic looking. Yeah, it was so cool. Uh, I, but because of the momentum on him, he kept going, and so he died directly in the middle of our ship. And so we had a massive glitch co- collision <laughs> a, box for this megalodon uh, sticks yeah. around 
a long time after he dies. So we, we couldn't actually get to the back of the ship to steer the thing, to be able to move on <laughs> after we killed it. I, we had to wait for it yeah, to move. I was, I, was, I was a little confused when that happened because, yeah, he was charging at us. He was going to attack our boat. And at that point, like, I was all out of planks and we had no planks on the ship. And I was like, we're fucked. We're fucked. Morgan's the only one with planks. Yeah, we're fucked. and um yeah as soon as like he was charging at us i was like i was like ready to just jump ship and move on um to yeah we were about uh, to jump to the other ship yeah 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 (laughs) but um yeah josh got that killing blow and it made this weird animation where like it came out of the water in front of our ship and i was like oh is this a new animation out of it a new attack i thought it was like gonna slam down on our boat and just finish us off but it was actually it's uh dying animation and that's what caused the glitch and like morgan got caught underneath <laughs> he was uh, yeah, he was stuck in the bottom of his ship forever the one time i tried to be a good pirate and help i missed it i missed all the cool shit the one i'm down there and i got glitched in there too i couldn't move i and the weird thing was when the when the i don't know if it's because you guys moved our boat or what but when it disappeared it shot me out of the it like glitched and it shot me out of the ship yeah, like, well, I, I think what happened there is the way the way we finally got out of there, me and Fish couldn't get to the helm to be able to steer our ship away from the Megalodon, which had died and was directly under our ship, and its hitbox was mass or not hitbox, but collision box is so massive that it was preventing us to get from getting to most of the ship. So any mm-hmm. anyway, we eventually were able to get to the anchor and raise that, and then lower the very front sails, just so we could start moving away from the rest of the ship, or from, from the Megalodon. And I think that's probably mm-hmm. what shot you out of the ship, was that hitbox eventually just pushing you completely out of the ship, is probably what happened there. Um, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and it was kind of weird, because I shot so far away from the ship, I, it just, the end of it didn't work out well for me. I missed the cool blow, I, missed, I got glitched out. Um... Uh-huh. But you know, I'm sure we'll have other cool Megalodon battles in the future. So, yeah. but I also have an incredible video that I'm going to put up on the Instagram where it's like the same thing you said, Josh, where I was literally holding that Y button to load a cannon, and it was like flying at my face, and I'm like, ah! And like the very like last second, I think it was either you or Fish, somebody shot it with a cannon that slowed it down just enough. But right when it was about to bite down on me, I blew a cannon in its mouth. I sent you guys this video earlier this week, and mm-hmm. it was just really cool. Um, Mm-hmm. That because this game provides so many dynamic moments, I'm curious to see all the cool stuff that happens. Like the the first time I played that Megalodon, I was with a group of three sloops, and literally it's just its presence in the water going by the second sloop in between us, pushed their sloop into us, they got caught on us. Like it was just like bouncing us around like dominoes, all this weird shit was happening. Like mm-hmm. I was down in the back of the sloop, you know, where you can see out the little window. And, like, when the Megalodon would come up from the back, it reminded me a lot of Jaws. Because it would come up from the back of the sloop, and the sloop, you don't feel protected. It's not like the Galleon, where you feel like you're at a somewhat of a safe distance. You feel like that thing is just going to... As a matter of fact, the swoop was much more epic, except for the fact that you felt like there was no way that you were going to kill it. Because Hmm. the swoop has, like, one cannon on each side. And the worst part about it is, one bite from the Megalodon causes so many holes in the swoop that it's just... It's yeah. just, it sinks you too fast. I kind of feel like if you have the sloop, you need to keep the thing moving to have a chance to, yeah, that's to true. To yeah. Sail yeah. away from it. Cause yeah. like the galleons, you can just drop anchor to uh-huh. you know, get yourself stopped and then just, you know, 
have everybody I, in the cannons and just blow the thing away. But I would love to get video footage of taking like a gunpowder barrel and putting it in the back of the ship, and then right when the megalodon's next to it to bite it, like shooting it from a somewhat of a safe distance, Jaws style, and <clears> seeing <throat> how much damage that does. Like I, I would all the cool ways you can kill the shark. I think it would be kind of fun to experiment. Yeah. Yeah, we should try um, filling yeah, the shark just... up with water. Let's we'll get buckets, see if we can... <laughs> I don't know if that's going to work. <laughs> we'll just bucket the shark, see if we can sink him. Uh, but yeah, it's... it's Whoever did it has a really cool... I'm surprised this poll came back. I said, the new um, Sea of Thieves DLC looks pretty, pretty, pretty good. Only 60% said yes. So the other 40% must be on drugs, because if you don't think a Megalodon fight looks yeah. cool... I don't know. Do you have a well, pulse? Are you an AI? What's wrong with you? There's still a on. lot of hate for this game because... Yeah, there is. Yeah. Because I don't know why, I guess. Mm-hmm. That's one of those well, gamers mm-hmm. hate fun. That's kind of... There's kind of their shtick lately. Yeah. Yeah. And if you play the game alone... I've been talking to some people mm. that want to play with us because they just haven't experienced the game with a friend and that... That yeah. I get. That's a fair... Yeah, yeah, yeah I absolutely that... get that. Like, yeah. playing yeah. by yourself, all you get is the grind. Because it's it, yeah. there's a lot of grind there. Because it's meant to be something you can just kind of pick up and play with your friends whenever, and be able to make a little bit of progress, just a little bit of progress. Because that's not really the yeah. point of it. It's all the fun stuff you do with your friends, which really makes it yeah. like. For example, before you were able to get on, while well, Fish and I were finishing up that whole quest and everything, we were at on Daggertooth Outpost. Because we had just talked to one of the barmaids to to find out where we needed to head next. And I get back to the ship before Fish does and get everything ready, raise the anchor. And I'm about to raise the sails, waiting for him to get back to the boat. And he's two feet from the ladder to the ship. And I lower the sails and take off. And then I drop the anchor and yeah. wait for him to catch back up. <laughs> and when he's two yeah, feet from point. the from the ladder again... I lower the sails and take off again, and he ends up following me swimming until we're about an island away, because I keep taking off right before he can get to the ladder. <laughs> uh, the, the the first time I thought it was just an accident, or that you didn't know that you were going to be traveling that fast, so I was like, oh, okay. I was like, as soon as you took off fast, I was like, Josh, wait, 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 what the <laughs> fuck? You're going too fast, and you were like, oh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, you played it off? Yeah, yeah, I played it off. Oh, like, hang on. Oh, yeah, I thought you were right there. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> okay, cool. That's and, but by then, though, he like he he was like at least 100 yards away. So, like, I was swimming for like a good minute. I was like, God damn it, you got away real quick. <laughs> oh, shit, that wind really took this sloop away. Mm-hmm. So, I get up there a second time and like I'm like two feet away from the ladder climbing on board. And all of a sudden, it flies off. And then I realize, oh, this motherfucker's fucking with me. <laughs> <laughs> I just started yeah. bursting that's, up laughing. That's also very, uh, dude, where's my car, Josh? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Know, <laughs> taking <laughs> off every five feet. Uh, 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 what? You know, uh, 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 you can get in. Get in. Hop in. Come on. Let's. Uh, uh, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, my, that was um, great. I have a video up on our Instagram page if you want to check it out. It's, uh, our biggest video to date, and it's just my first encounter with the shark and all the live. Uh, audio from my first encounter. I will say this: we had a bunch of adults who were really cool, and one excited twelve-year-old uh, mm-hmm. boy or girl, I'm not sure, who was playing with us. And you can hear them screaming, "Oh my god!" in the video. Uh, lots of live reactions in that <laughs> video, but that kid was just uh, killing me, man. That kid was killing me. They were so excited. That's great. Um, 
They weren't like one of those annoying twelve year old kids, you know what I mean? They were they were just having fun. Um anyways. Uh last poll, the donut hole is my uh, uh favorite form of donut consumption. Um however you consume your donuts is fine with me. Came back tied, fifty fifty. Could mm. not break ground, but fifty percent for donut holes versus every other kind of donut. That's not surprising bad. considering the donut hole is not a donut. That's uh, it's my it's donut It's the sadness left over once you make a real donut. That's that's what the donut hole is. That's it's the heart. It's the heart of the donut. It's the soul of the donut, some might say. No, it's it's like it's the epicenter. It's it's like whatever the fuck the lore is with Kingdom Hearts going on there. Like that's that's not really the donut. <laughs> that that's been taken out and become an abomination unto the world. Um because the donut real donut hole. is elsewhere. Donut hole of three mm-hmm. and a half point five. Yeah. Gotcha. They're the donut less. Um, it's they're not <laughs> the donut less. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that metaphor kind of works in a weird way. Um, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> it kind of does. Uh what is your favorite form of donut consumption, Josh? Mm, the bear claw. Bear claw. The okay. bear claw. Not bad. That's that's about or an apple fritter. Is, those those two those those are neck and neck. You got, it depends on how they make the apple fritter. I, yeah, I, that's, you that's can get apple fritters me. that are kind of crusty. Well, yeah, it can go one yeah. of two ways. You end up with essentially a pie, like a crappy pie that has bread on the outside, or the whole thing's way too crispy. Like it's mm-hmm. the middle ground there is hard to get to, but once you do, that's that's where it's at. What about you, Fish? What's your favorite form of donut consumption? Um, I really like glaze, but mm-hmm. I always go for the blueberry donuts. Oh, no. Poor thing. What? What? You're a, a jelly-filled man, delicious. huh? No. Jellyfish. I've never seen a blueberry donut. So you mean like no. with blueberries in it? Just like put directly mm-hmm. in the batter? Oh, that sounds reasonable. I thought you were talking like a so. blueberry yeah. jam filled. Oh, like a blue in there? No. Oh. I don't like blue No, jizz. I don't like. Yeah. Lemon filled well, donuts the, are the, okay. But... They're okay. Uh, I like more of like the creamier type of stuff, like uh, mm. custard. Not like, not like the jelly jam type of stuff. That stuff just I... like, overpowers the donut. <laughs> so like a Bavarian style. I gotta, sort of oh, Bavarian yes. cream are yes. so good. Oh, yeah. Yes, I love oh, those. Bavarian cream. They have, a, they have a guy who just shoots it. So, this is a true story. Um, they have, we have a donut place here, which is weird because all we have is bakeries. There are no donut shops but in, in, in my town. But there's one donut shop right by where I live, and it's run by, like, a Japanese couple. It's very strange. Hmm. Like, like, they move to America, and they run in a donut shop. And they run the, it's called Best Donuts, and they have some, they have the best donuts. But they're, um, they will literally, like, you can buy a donut, and they'll squirt the cream right in it for you. They have, like, a little machine, and they're like, what do you want me to fill it with? And I'm like, oh, Bavarian cream. And they'll just shoot it right in there. So, <laughs> it's fucking funny. Um, but I love that. Shoot it right into my face. <laughs> I'll open my mouth and just sit under there, and you can just mm-hmm. cream it in. Um, you know, <laughs> you know, <the laughs> you know, <the laughs> Is that how you get free donuts? <laughs> it's weird. They kicked me out. I don't know why. I haven't. It's strange. I'm not allowed in there anymore. Um, they. The funny thing about that place, though, is 
<laughs> no, I got a funny story about something I used to do with lemon cream donuts when I was a kid, but I don't want to talk about it on the podcast. Um, I will say this, that I... You used to fuck them. No, I would <laughs> Oh, no, but you're getting closer. Um, there, <laughs> there's... <laughs> Having an American donut moment with the uh... yeah American donut. Um, there, God damn it, you threw me off. No, the reason I brought this, the reason I brought this up is because the guy will put a bunch of donut holes in a little bag and for like a buck fifty, and I go by there every morning with my daughter, and I'll just buy a couple bags, and I can as I'm driving, I can literally shovel the donut holes into my gullet, and. The reason the reason I love them because I love glazed donuts, and I don't like to touch things that are sticky. I hate touching sticky things, so. I can just pour them into my throat and I don't actually have to touch it. So it's win win. That's why I love the donut hole. Morgan, the audience has to know that Morgan also doesn't like washing his hands or his body. No, I love washing my hands and my body. Or brushing his teeth. But I will minimize it. No, none of that is true. None of that is true. It makes like some sort of like. He's told us on multiple occasions about the evil. Come on. The evil, the horrors of water ever getting on your dick. Oh, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like, mm-hmm. no, I don't, no shower <laughs> sex for me. If you want to know why, email us, sorechomp at gmail.com, and we'll, maybe we'll tell you all about it. Maybe we won't. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you all about it. You'll hear, it from, you'll hear it from me. Fish knows all the secrets. Yeah, donate $10 or more to our Patreon page, and we'll tell you all about our crazy... Um, water sex stories. But anyways, the donut hole had a valiant tie, 50-50, but that's what made me think about it, because I've been eating donuts every day, and I think they're probably going to kill me. I have a feeling that if I die, it's because I've eaten too many donuts. I, I do like those uh, mom-and-pop brand shops that sell donuts, because every time, like, if you go there on, like, a weekday, right as they're going to close at, like, 11 o'clock in the morning, if you go in there, and you ask for donut holes, and they got a whole shit line, ton they'll just throw a bunch in there because they're just gonna throw them away so they give you all their donut holes i've had that happen to me multiple times really you got like a fucking horde of donut holes that sounds amazing yeah Uh, i i i buy a dozen and he's like yeah here you go i'm just gonna throw these all away do you like chocolate here you go here's chocolate donut holes i'm like oh hell yeah thanks man yeah yeah that's one Mm -hmm. weird thing about me i only like glaze i can't eat any other kind of donut other than lemon but I'll tell you about that later. Um, anyways, th- uh, thank everyone for voting the polls every Tuesday at Sword Chomp on Instagram. Um, there's one more poll in there, but I'm going to save it for next week. Gachet's not here. I want to get to the bio break here before we wrap up the show. This is a, uh, a pretty cool article. So we were talking about the Megalodon today. I've been thinking a lot about it. Actually, the weird mixture of our two topics today, Josh, I thought about this when I was making my own stupid show picture, is I thought of the fact that we were talking about... Um, Megalodons and AI, and I thought about that shark, that me- the uh, fake shark they used for Jaws, and how it kept breaking down um, back in the seventies. Steven Spielberg kept having, oh, going back to Spielberg again. He uh, he had that huge shark they used for Jaws, and the reason that movie turned out so good was it kept breaking down in the ocean because it was mechanical, and because it broke down so much, they had to use less footage of the shark. They had to get more creative with how they used it, and that's why Jaws didn't show the shark for the first like. 30 or 40 minutes of that movie. So part of the brilliance came from technical, mm-hmm. technical issues. Which I always thought was a pretty cool story. Yeah. Um, anyways, let's get to the bio break portion of the show. So uh, even though Shay's in here, 
we got to do a bile break. And this is a cool one because it comes from the idea of the Megalodon that we've been talking about. And basically, the idea behind the article, if you talk to most people, they will think that the, the Megalodon is sort of like the ancestor of the great white shark. And that is sort of the general idea. I, th- I think most people believe that to be the case. Um, and the article that I found actually is leading us to think the opposite, that it might be more related to the Mako shark, um, which I thought was pretty cool. So this is from sciencedaily.com, and I'm pulling it up here right now. Great white shark evolution debate from sciencedaily.com. A significant debate is currently underway in the scientific community over the evolution of the great white shark. And Chuck uh, Siamapilio, PhD and assistant professor of geology at Wright State University, is right in the middle of it. The issue is if the great white, one of the most feared predators of the sea, evolved from the huge prehistoric megalodon over its ancestry rests with the mako shark. And basically what they were finding, as I summarized this, this article because I was reading it a lot before the show, was that when they were looking at the, t- the earliest po- fossil that they found of a great white, its teeth were starting to become serrated. Now, the biggest difference um, between the great white and the mako shark um, is that, and I might have them backwards, but one of the teeth is not serrated and one of them is. And what they were finding is that it, with the oldest fossil, it was starting to become serrated. So they were, a- and they were able to make more of a link to um, that fossil and the mako shark species as its sort of its changing point, as opposed to the megalodon. Now there are other species of megalodon. I actually linked you that article as well. They they're finding they found this other cool species of megalodon off this tooth that they found. That's um, really cool. It was called uh, megalodoma megalodoma paradoxodon. That's the most badass name I've ever heard. Um, that's also it's from Science Daily. New large prehistoric shark discovered, and. Um, the fossilized teeth up to 4.5 centimeters and 1.8 inches tall. It's always been fascinating about these prehistoric sharks that their teeth were literally two inches in length. I mean, like a full erect micropenis for fish would have been the size of these great, uh, these megalodon teeth, which, I mean, maybe not impressive for a penis, but for a tooth? Like, damn, that's crazy. Uh, and then imagine like hundreds of those teeth serrated with the jaw force of God knows how strong, just barreling into your flesh. Um, pretty cool. Uh, so also, did, did you guys, when I was passing this, did anything come to mind that you were reading? Were you surprised to see it was more linked to the Mako shark as opposed to the, the Great White was being more linked to the Mako instead of the Megalodon? I didn't really have enough information to really have an opinion on it before. So... Um... I wouldn't wouldn't really be surprised, but I thought it was cool that they were finding a much closer ancestor to both these sharks than what they had previously thought. So that was, that is pretty cool. It just kind of puts them both, yes, much yes. closer on that family tree than previously thought, which is which is pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. Uh, I'm curious of what why people thought. The great white, or the yeah, great the great white shark is more related to the megalodon, other than you know the size of a great white, um, and the size of the megalodon being very fucking huge, um. But I'm I'm sure there, 
I'm sure scientists just didn't say, oh, this one's big and this is our biggest shark. I'm sure it's related to this one, but that's what it seems like to me, you know? Well, it's, uh, it, I never actually looked into it. it. Yeah, probably just like a, I don't want to say a wives' tale, probably just a thing that people pass along to each other. The Megalodon is a giant great white, you know what I mean? Like instead of, most people have probably never really thought about it, you know what I mean? Um, which I thought, this, that's why I thought it was interesting. That the fact that they are possibly connected more to the, Ma- I actually never thought a lot about the Mako shark either, but that's kind of a nasty looking little shark. If you go and look up the Mako shark, mm-hmm. a little bit, a little underappreciated for nasty little sharks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a couple of cool tidbits in the article that I thought were worth bringing up before we move on that I thought were interesting. Um, it said the study is based on a remarkably well-preserved four to five million year old fossil from Peru of an early white shark. A complete jaw with 222 teeth intact and 45 vertebrae. Most ancient shark species are known only from isolated teeth. Based mm. on two size and analysis of growth rings within the vertebrae, the shark was about 20 years old, 17 to 18 feet long, a size and rage with uh, modern great white sharks. Having the teeth in place allows researchers to see important distinguishing characteristics to help determine a fossil's genus and species such as whether a tooth curves toward the outside of the jaw or its midline. Um, he believes the fossil belongs to a white shark species closely related to the broad-toothed mako that probably grew 27 feet long and lived 9 million to 10 million years ago. So I was looking for a good picture of the broad-toothed mako, like even an artist's representation, but just imagine that. A broad-toothed mako shark was about 9 million years ago, was 27 feet long, which is pretty insane as far as that goes. Um, God, there's so many crazy shit in the ocean that was just terrifying back in the day. An olive grove farmer trained in fossil collection discovered it near his home in the desert of southern Peru in 1988. That's that's a very... This is a farmer who collects fossils, found it. Um, It now belongs to a private collection only recently pledged to the Florida Museum of Natural History. This Actually, this study was done from the University of Florida. It's the only fossilized partial skull of a white shark that's ever been found, which I thought was really cool. Um, I don't think there's anything else really worth, worth, worth mentioning here, but basically, yeah, I, th- I think that's, uh, here we go. Um, the shark's fossils coarse serrations are evidence of a transition between the broad tooth mako and modern white sharks. Here we have a shark that's gaining serrations. He said it's becoming a white shark, but it's not quite there yet. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the, as Fish was correcting me this week, it's not a megalodon in the Hungering Deep. It's called, what is it called, Fish? The Hungering One. Oh, the Hungering One. Eh, that's not a great name. They should have said mm-hmm. something cool, didn't it? <laughs> the Hungering One. Um, but it, I'm surprised how, Campbell's hasn't trademarked that already. I know. <laughs> they, they should really do like a promotion with Campbell's instead of Chips Ahoy this time mm-hmm. for the Hungering yeah. Deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or Snickers. Hungry? Why wait? It's like gaming, open up a cold can of Hungry Man chowder and <laughs> pour it directly into your face. Uh, just, blah, just right down your gullet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's cool. The, the shark they did in Sea of Thieves, it looks, it's interesting. I like that they went a little crazy with it, like um, with their art design. It's got like two eyes. It really seems kind of jagged and messed up. It's a little more... I don't think like, you're describing that very well. It has two uh, okay, eyes? Four eyes. Four eyes. I'm sorry. Four okay. Eyes. <laughs> two eyes on each side. Um, Seems like a strange distinction to make. Sharks. Come on, four <laughs> eyes. Four eyes is offensive. You shouldn't say that. I mean, come mm-hmm. on, that's rude. Um, yeah. Okay, four eyes. 
stare at two people with glasses here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, let me kill you. Um, Anyway, I think it just looks really cool. So I'm excited to do that more. Maybe we would like to do a real stream where we can show people. We already have the drum, so we cut out a lot of the boring stuff. We can just go right to the white shark for the stream if we can hook up with some people. So um, pretty much we'll see if these is now. Rode around hooking. Who wants to go kill the shark? Who wants to kill the shark? Come on. Mm -hmm. It's cool. Cool. And uh, mm -hmm. as if I couldn't love that game anymore, just as I was getting kind of bored of it, they had to go and pull this on me, those... Ah, oh, those sneaky bastards. Um, so, just a quick rundown of things that we got. We, we have a big E3 um, prep show next week, along with another pretty cool topic, if we decide on it. I can't ruin it yet. Um, but we're going to talk about it a little bit after the show. Just a quick rundown of everything that's at Swordchomp Instagram page we're running this week. Um, by the way, if you enjoy us and want to support us, our second month, the Patreon support is up. www.patreon.com slash Swordchomp bunch of cool tiers including our vip instagram tier which is a top secret instagram page where we have cool behind the scene footage that only you can see if you sign up and you're supporting us anyway so it's win-win um we got the question of the week up like i said every thursday we got the megalodon attack video up which is our biggest video to date check it out boarding on four thousand views which makes my soul happy um we had a really cool thing one of our listeners um lopez lyman we talked about this last week he ran around and posted us all over Disney World, our Sword Trump logo, just sort of we were there in spirit. And we, a lot of people really liked checking that out. It was really cool. So, yeah. Uh, brought a tear of joy to my heart. I want to talk about this next week because we're going to have a full crew. Um, but I put up a question sort of talking about how Fortnite and PUBG have now been shaped. Every, I'm sorry, every year Call of Duty and Battlefield, back and forth. Fighting each other, World War One, World War Two, Call of Duty, Battlefield, and then their versions of each other, different Black Ops and blah blah blah. It's been this endless fucking first person war forever, and now Fortnite and PUBG have sort of shaken up the dynamic where Call of Duty and Fortnite, ha um, Call of Duty and Battlefield not only have to respond to each other as competitors, but they have to respond to this new um, phenomenon that's taken over the market. That's kind of it's like you know, there's two guys in the bedroom. And all of a sudden, third guy walks in, and he's really handsome, and he's got some good moves. And, you know, he's, he's sort of shaking up the chemistry in the bedroom, so to speak. You know what I mean? Um, then so he starts should... pumping you. Well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> okay. I didn't see you go in that direction, but sure, if you say so. Um, so, yeah, we'll, maybe we'll talk about that a little bit next week. We have a guest on next week as well, and Shay will be back. So, uh it's been a lot of fun. I think that pretty much hits up all the topics that we had to run through a quicker show today, but it was a lot of fun as usual. So uh, we will see you next week as we prepare for E3. Thanks for checking out the show, and uh, we'll see you next week.